Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture. 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Also brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. Today, the Saskatchewan government outlined a third consecutive year for record farm exports. We have a preliminary runoff report for spring. The carbon tax and food price gouging were issues raised in Ottawa this week. We have a forecast on canola prices and the latest feeder cattle market update. The farm weather's in its usual spot. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Saskatchewan's agriculture industry has posted a third consecutive year of record high agri-food exports. The Ministry of Agriculture says the total value of agri-food exports in 2022 reached $18.4 billion. The leading agri-food export commodities last year were canola oil, wheat, canola seed, lentils, durum and dry peas. The top five international market destinations were the United States, China, Japan, Mexico and Algeria. Agriculture Minister David Merritt says the numbers show progress towards the $20 billion agri-food export target in the 2030 growth plan. Saskatchewan's agri-food exports are the second highest in Canada, behind Ontario, which exported $23.8 billion in 2022. Saskatchewan's total exports have grown by more than $20 billion since 2012. The preliminary Water Security Agency spring outlook shows most of southern Saskatchewan with below normal snowmelt runoff potential. The central areas with above normal snowpack can expect an above normal snowmelt with near normal conditions for the far north. Much of the southern areas of Saskatchewan had very dry conditions through last summer and into fall. The exception is an area just east of Moose Jaw through Weyburn, Indian Head and Regina, where wetter fall conditions and near-normal snowfall have projected a near-normal snowmelt. Flooding is not expected despite the predicted above-normal runoff in central areas. The report says without additional snowfall, surface water supply issues are likely to occur in southwest Saskatchewan in 2023. The runoff outlook will be updated next month. 
Conservative Party MPs are once again calling on the federal Liberal government to scrap the carbon tax. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation says the federal carbon tax is scheduled to increase twice in 2023, from $50 a ton to $65 on April 1st, and a second carbon tax increase in July could add 13 cents a litre to the price of gasoline. Conservative Party agriculture critic John Barlow brought up the issue Monday during question period. What is challenging for Canadians, and especially Canadian farmers, is the Liberals triple, triple, tripling their crippling carbon tax, which is fueling the food affordability crisis in Canada. And now the Liberal NDP Carbon Tax Coalition wants to triple that tax. The result of that is a typical Canadian farmer will pay $150,000 a year in carbon taxes alone. What Canadian farmer can absorb those taxes? I'll tell you, none. We are losing farms now due to bankruptcy and insolvency. When will the Prime Minister of Misery understand that his tax has to go so farmers can grow? Liberal Environment and Climate Change Minister Stephen Guibault had this response. Seems like the party opposite is worried about cost, but never talks about the cost that we are passing on to our kids and, ga- and grandkids through the impacts of climate change. Billions of dollars that are accumulating year after year. We have an emergency here, Mr. Speaker, and the party opposite is simply not telling the truth to Canadian. We're already paying for the cost of climate change, and we need to find solutions. They have no solutions to offer, Mr. Speaker, none whatsoever. However, primary producers could receive some carbon tax relief, Bill C-234, which would exempt on-farm grain drying and barn heating from the carbon tax, is at its third reading in the House of Commons. The bill needs to pass its third reading in the House, and then three readings in the Senate before it could become law. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Spalding on 620 CKRM. Canola prices are not expected to move out of their current trading range, even though supplies remain quite tight in Canada. Jad Delafray is the Global Agriculture Editorial Manager with Argus Media, based in London. She says vegetable oil demand in the European Union is weak, and Australia has produced a record canola crop. I think in general, the supply outlook globally is ample enough. Our outlook is mostly neutral probably not much room for prices to go down much further at this point in time given what we know on the oil seeds and the elements of support that we have but there's also not a huge amount to to support prices hugely i guess there's a bit of a wild card always which what's china going to do next you never know as as the macro context there evolves whether that could change a little bit dynamics on on the demand but at this point in time the outlook is pretty neutral both for the grains and the oil seeds globally Delafray says Canada has already moved over half of its canola exports for the current crop year. We forecast total marketing year exports at 7.5 million tonnes. So it's a little bit lower than where the USDA currently is, which means at the end of week 25 in January, we'd only have about 3.4 million tonnes or so left to be exported. If we exclude 21-22, that's not that much canola left to be exported for this particular marketing year. So the balance sheet in Canada is a little bit tight. Domestic canola crushers have been operating at near capacity. The last few months, the crushing pace has been strong, between 800 and 900,000 tons a month over the last few months. And we think that if that 
pace is maintained, we're on track to reach some of the forecasts that are around, especially the USDA forecast at 10 million tons of crush in Canada. So, so we're on track. End of December, 4 million out of the way, 6 million is left to crush. The United States is the destination for most Canadian canola oil share of that canola oil that gets exported to the U.S., that's rising. The vast, vast majority going to the U.S. in the last couple of years. And why am I uh, pointing that out as well is because we're doing some work, particularly my colleagues on the biofuels desks over in the U.S. are looking at this because some of the recent regulatory changes are making it potentially more attractive to use canola oil as a feedstock for renewable diesel, particularly now it's not the most common practice at this point in time, but nonetheless it's something that we're monitoring closely. Delafray says vegetable oil demand in Europe is weak and that's not expected to change in the foreseeable future. There's no obvious sign of tightness yet. So 23-24, we're forecasting UK plus EU areas at 6.43 million hectares, so no particular tightness there at this point. However, there is something that's, that's weighing on the prices as well that's a little bit less certain at this point. It is talks in Germany, which is the biggest biodiesel market in Europe, of potentially banning crop-based biofuels. Now, that might not happen, but the fact that it is being discussed politically is weighing on the sentiment on the market. Another item or issue to monitor is whether China will resume buying Australian canola. Political disagreements have sharply reduced trade between the two nations over the past couple years. However, China is now buying some coal from Australia. Delafray says the Chinese could consider expanding trade to agricultural commodities as well. If we look at the origins for Chinese imports, it's almost 100% Canadian at this point in time. But if we look further back in history, there were some flows going from Australia. Now, of course, because of trade relationships being strained on that front, at the moment there's not such a, a flow. However, there has been some relaxation with some coal trade flows restarting between Australia and China. So that's something that is worth monitoring. Should this trend extend to agricultural commodities, one could wonder whether China might turn to Australia for a bit of rapeseed, particularly if we think by the end of the marketing year, most of the Canadian canola will have been exported. Jad Delafray is the Global Agricultural Editor-Manager with Argus Media in London. Her comment comes from a webinar held last week. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney on 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com, joined right now by Dr. Sarah Place from Colorado State University. This afternoon you'll be in a sustainability forum panel. What's kind of your key message when it comes to sustainability for the delegates that will be in attendance? Yeah, so a key thing is sustainability is really about, you know, three main areas, right? Economics, so first and foremost, being economically viable 
having social responsibility, right? Being a good community member, for example, and then environmental stewardship. And I think the main thing for uh, producers is just knowing that sustainability is oftentimes putting a word to things that they're already focused on, right? Thinking about the, the legacy of their land, the legacy of uh, their business, and trying to pass on that to the next generation while taking care of things in their community and the land. Do you find the producer's attitude towards sustainability has shifted and changed? I think so. So I've been in this field for about 10 years, and I think we've we've seen kind of an evolution of folks saying, you know, it seems like kind of a, a flash in the pan to recognizing that this is an issue that is not going away, right? And I think part of it is, is recognizing what I had just mentioned of, you know, sustainability is basically putting a word to something that's been a focus forever. Um, ultimately, sustainability questions around agriculture and food are questions of what should we be eating, how should we produce food, and those really have been persistent and aren't really going to go away. How are we doing with the measurement? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of benchmarking that's happening here. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about things like emission reductions as a part of the sustainability uh, discussion. Uh, how are we doing with measurement? Are we becoming a little bit more advanced in that area? Yeah, so I'm with Colorado State University's uh, Ag Next, and we're a program that's really focused on sustainable solutions in animal agriculture. And a big part of what we're focused on is measuring uh, emissions directly from animals themselves from cattle systems to get a better idea of benchmarking where we're at, uh, refining some of the so-called prediction models that are out there that you could use to say, what is my herd emitting? Um, and then testing all the, the mitigation solutions that are out there and to say, one, do they work? But two, do they make economic sense? Right, so a big part of where we're getting closer on the measurement side is we got to do more research. Right, we need to fund the research, whether we're talking about uh, in the U.S. or Canada, right across the board, to make sure that we um, have solutions that are practical. I think that's really, really key. We can find something that maybe works uh, for mitigating methane from cattle, for example, but if it doesn't make economic sense, um, then it's not a real solution. Is breeding and genetic selection a, a component of achieving some of these goals that we've set? Yeah, so that's one of the things that's really exciting about some of the research that we're doing and research that others are doing across North America, across the world. Um, so methane emissions from cattle seem to be heritable themselves, um, and we know things like feed efficiency are heritable. So that's one of those exciting opportunities of can we use genetic selection um, to potentially maybe shift the entire cattle herd to 10 or 15 percent lower emitting animals. That work, though, and to actually get to a point where we could have it in, a, in an EPAD index, that takes a lot of research, right? thousand plus animals in a data set to get us to that point where we're going to say with confidence yeah we can select for methane and not negatively impact other economically relevant traits. Are there in that area is there any early bets on which breed types are are better in this area than some of the others? Yeah, that's a good question, too. So there's not a lot of research looking at breed differences in enteric methane, so that's something that we still need to, to determine. At the same time, though, we see tremendous variation within breed, within cattle types that are quite similar. And I think that's really where we're going to find the, um, if you will, the genetic variation to exploit is even within breeds, right, there's a lot of variation. So how do we identify those animals that are basically more efficient than expected, right? And that's one of those things to always remind ourselves. Methane emissions, yeah, we talk about it from a climate perspective, but it's a loss of feed energy, right? So typically these animals that are more efficient, less methane emitting, we expect them to be more feed efficient as well. So it's a, it's a the genetic makeup, the it, it's traits of that animal, even inside of a breed, we can see a lot of variance. That, that, that's probably, if that's the way it goes, it's probably a, a relief in, instead of pitting one breed versus the other. 
Yeah, and I'd say that, you know, what we're talking about methane and cattle, right? I think that's true across the board when we talk about sustainability. It's more about saying within a system, how do you get that system better? Rather than pitting ourselves against each other within the cattle industry or across agriculture, it's more how do you move the needle and make things better? And from the evidence that we see, again, with methane emissions, most likely there's going to be a lot of opportunity within breeds from a crossbreeding perspective to look at this in that holistic manner. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Real Agriculture Report has been brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, 2 centimeters of snow, wind north 30, gusting to 50 this afternoon. The high, minus 1, the low, minus 15. Thursday, sunny, winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high, minus 7, the low, minus 11. Friday sunny with a high zero, the low minus six. Saturday sunny with a high minus two, the low minus 12. Sunday partly cloudy, the high minus two, the low minus eight. Monday partly cloudy with a high of plus two, the low minus six. Tuesday cloudy, 60% chance of flurries and a high of minus two. Normal high for this date, minus eight, the normal low minus 20. The sun rose at 8.23 this morning. It sets at 6.02 tonight. And currently, around the province, the hot spot is Coronac at plus 3. The cold spot, Stony Rapids up north at minus 20. Estevan is plus 1. Saskatoon and Swift Current minus 3. Weyburn plus 2. Yorkton is minus 3. In Regina, with partly cloudy skies, it's plus 1. That's 34 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north-northwest at 13. Humidity is 87%. The barometer rising, 101.2. Cloudy in Moose Jaw, minus 1. Winds are from the northwest at 18. Once again, Regina, cloudy, plus 1. That's 34 Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, mcdougalauctions.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems expect the best. The Commons Agriculture Committee resumed hearings this week on the high cost of food in Canada. Over the past several months, food prices that consumers pay has outpaced the overall national inflation rate. In fact, as the overall inflation rate has started to come down, food inflation remains at record highs. It was months ago the federal NDP demanded a study into the role that Canada's big grocery companies have or don't have in those rising food prices. This week, Francois Thibault, the executive vice president of Metro, appeared before the committee. NDP committee member Alistair McGregor asked why the company's CEO did not show up. 
I find it surprising that Mr. LaFleche uh, is not here. Um, and I, I say that because I think your sector is going through a, a very deep crisis of confidence with the Canadian people. Given the state of Canadian anger with the high costs of food, would, why wouldn't Mr. LaFleche take the opportunity as the face of his company to publicly come here and, and defend it? Why is he not here today? Well, I'm a leader of the company. I interact with uh, various stakeholders on a daily basis talking about the operations of Metro and I'm here today to answer your questions. So he's not prepared to take responsibility as the CEO? Well, as I said, I'm a leader of this company and I'm here to answer your questions today. And as for the confidence, I think our customers are showing confidence through the hundreds of thousands of transactions every day. Okay. And um, when Loblaw uh, announced uh, the price freeze on its no-name products, I saw that Metro was very quick to make a comment on that, and I think you said something akin to it being a standard industry practice. So, you, is, is, am I getting you right? Am I quoting your company right? No, we. I think we uh, we we nuanced it. What we said is that we don't accept price increases. We don't want to process price increases from suppliers during the busy holiday period. But generally, that's a trend. So what Loblaws announces is essentially what a lot of companies do during the holiday time. I can't speak for them. No, I, no, I'm, I'm you saying speak for yourself, we, we ask suppliers that we will, we tell suppliers we will not process price increases yeah. during the busy holiday period. Our teams are too busy with merchandising. Mm -hmm. we, we want to have stability, and we say there's a pause, and we don't process it. That's yeah, that's. Do, do your companies ever uh, like cooperate or collude in, in setting when that price freeze or break will happen? For Absolutely consumers? not. There's no, no collaboration at all. Okay. We sell suppliers. We don't want to process increases from the beginning of the holiday period to about end of January, beginning of February. Yeah. So, and and going back to the year 2020, when when three companies all ended their hero pay on the exact same day, there was no cooperation or collusion. <coughs> that. It no. just happened by coincidence. No. It happened by coincidence. Three of the big companies just ended it on the same day. There's no collusion. There's no collaboration on that. At the beginning of his testimony this week, Thibault said some of the things being said about Canada's grocery industry are untrue and unproductive. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small-ton lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. Winnipeg Grain Company, G3, has renewed support for the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. The company is providing $50,000 to remain a top sponsor of the Be Grain Safe program. The Be Grain Safe program raises awareness of the risks of becoming trapped in grain and providing training to firefighters in rescue techniques. The program also provides specialized grain rescue equipment to rural fire departments. Since the program started in 2016, Dozens of rescue sets have been provided to farming communities in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Alberta, Ontario, and Quebec. Feeder cattle prices were mixed across Saskatchewan this past week. Jace Fawson with the Ministry of Agriculture compiled the latest cattle market update. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were mixed again for both steers and heifers on the February 3rd report. Feeder steer prices ranged from 332.33 per hundredweight for the 3 to 400 pound weight category to 234.19 per hundredweight for the 900 plus pound weight category. Prices on steers below 900 pounds were up, with only the 900 plus pound steers seeing a decline. The largest price increase was seen in the 3 to 400 pound weight category, which seen an increase of 10.08 
per hundredweight to average the week at 332.33. Saskatchewan feeder heifer prices range from 258.38 per hundredweight for the 3 to 400 pound weight category to 11.71 per hundredweight for the 800 plus pound weight category. Those top and bottom weight categories just mentioned were down over the week. The largest price decline was seen in the 3 to 400 pound heifers declining 429 per hundred weight with the largest increase of 213 per hundred weight in the 5 to 600 pound weight category to average 248.30 over the week. And what were the key factors behind these price changes? A low feed prices and higher contract values for the second half of 2023 are supporting feeder prices. What were marketings? Canfax reported Saskatchewan feeder cattle volumes at 14,068 head sold over the week, up from the 13,109 head sold the previous week. This is just below the 15,349 head marketed during the same week last year. And what happened with market-ready cattle prices? The Canfax price for Alberta fed steers reported on February 3rd was 191.61 per hundredweight. This was up $1.89 compared to the 189.72 per hundredweight reported on January 27th. Prices for Alberta cows compared to January 27th were up. The price of D2 slaughter cows increased 98 cents per hundredweight from the previous week to average 101.90 while the price of D3 cows was up very slightly to average 87.31 per hundredweight. Jace Fawson compiled this week's latest cattle market update. Here's the market updates with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. Market update is brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. And Farm Fresh Water, they'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Grain prices saw limited movement in early trading. Viterra prices for feed barley rose $1.01 at three seventy two fifty eight. Canola fell two ninety at eight fourteen eighty two. Number one red spring wheat dropped eleven cents at four thirteen zero three. The rest were unchanged. Durham four forty two twenty six. Chickpeas eleven sixty eight forty five. Flax six fifty six ninety eight. Lentils six ninety four forty. Oats two twenty nine thirty two. Yellow peas four fifty nine eighty eight. And feed wheat two eighty nine fifty six. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for March went up two and a half cents at nine nineteen and three quarter cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock, 842-4574. Now, the latest Livestock Quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of February 7th. Our last regular sale was on February 1st. D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.95 cents to $1.05. D3 cows sold from $0.85 cents to $0.95. Cents. Counter cows sold from $0.70 cents to $0.85. Cents. Heiferettes sold from $1.45 to $1.60. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.20 to $1.36. We also had bred cows that day. Good young dispersal cows sold from $1,700 to 
$2,200. Middle-aged dispersal cows sold from $1,400 to $1,700, and non-dispersal cows sold for slaughter price. We had a pre-sorted calf sale here on January 30th. 300 to 400 pound steers averaged $3.07 and sold up to $3.45. 400 to 450 pound steers averaged $3.25 and sold up to $3.45. 450 to 500 pound steers averaged $3.16 and sold up to $3.45. 500 to 550 pound steers averaged $3.12 and sold up to $3.25. 550 to 600 pound steers averaged $2.98 and sold up to $3.15. 600 to 650-pound steers averaged $2.92 and sold up to $3.10. 650 to 700-pound steers averaged $2.80 and sold up to $3. 700 to 800-pound steers averaged $2.62 and sold up to $2.77. And 800 to 900-pound steers averaged $2.48 and sold up to $2.59. Heifers were about 45 cents back from the steers. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. And today's Saskatchewan pork price quotes, $185.13 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. Premier Scott Moe and Energy and Resources Minister Jim Reiter lead a trade and investment mission to Texas today and tomorrow. The delegation will meet with key U.S. investors and promote opportunities in Saskatchewan's natural resources. In Houston, the delegation will participate in an investment forum featuring Saskatchewan. The forum will include discussions for investors to learn about Saskatchewan's strengths in oil and gas, carbon capture and storage, helium, and other critical minerals, and value-added agriculture production. The event will also enable Saskatchewan-based companies to establish working partnerships with U.S. industry leaders. The mission will reinforce Saskatchewan as one of the best places to do business. Year-to-date, Saskatchewan merchandise exports to the U.S. are up more than $9 billion, or 52%, from January to November of 2022, compared to a year earlier. On the markets, the TSX is down 70 points at 20,654. The Dow has dropped 214 points to 33,942. Oil has gone up 58 cents at 77.72 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 74.40 cents U.S. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of the broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news, on your voice for everything ag, 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.